Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hey, what's up, Golf Strategy School? Marty here with you again, and you are listening to the only podcast that is designed to help people just get over that milestone score of breaking 90 or breaking 100. My name is Marty Griffin, and what we're talking about today is really three key fundamentals that if you don't have them in place, your mental game will crush you. Let's talk about it. All right, what are these three key fundamentals that we need to have in place lest we be crushed by our mental game? Well, really, these are three things that kind of, they don't necessarily echo the same message, but you can kind of see them as three sides to the same triangle, and that triangle being a good, strong, solid mental game. So the first one, it really comes down to getting hyper fixated on one thing, and when we, when we talk about this in a more kind of holistic and in large overarching way, we're talking about perspective and making sure that we don't have a hyperfixation specifically on score. And what happens or what I see happen a lot of times with students is that they will get sucked into this, you know, home runner strikeout mentality where it's going to be the perfect day and they are going to shoot exactly what they thought they were going to shoot on every single hole or the whole thing's just going to go to pot and they're going to play terrible. Now I've seen this happen a couple different ways or at least a way to kind of tell if this is impacting your score. Have you ever had a game around where you were just on fire. You are playing well. You're playing great. You are blowing away your own expectations. And then you kind of lose steam and you get to the end and you're like, oh, well, I, I definitely shot my goal, but man, it seemed like on the front nine, I was, I was on the way to be like really, really special that day. And then I just kind of lost it. If that's happened to you or the other side of it, probably what happens to people more often is, all right, I got my plan. I'm going to do my thing. Second hole rolls around and they take a double bogey. And it's just, it's that meme where the office guy throws all of his papers up in the air and says, F this, I'm out of here. And your round just goes completely to crap. You, you have that first double bogey or triple bogey and you just can't let it go. You just can't move on from it and it follows you and just crushes the rest of your round or kind of like a weird hybrid of the two you play, you know, you have that one stumble 
and then you play terribly for the rest of the front nine, and now you're so far out of contention, it doesn't even matter. You could set the course record for the back nine. It's still not going to give you the number that you want, and that's when it all comes together. So maybe you shoot like 62 on the front nine, and then on the back you shoot 41, and you're like, what the what? If I just would have had that front nine thing, and then it wouldn't have been, and then the numbers lower, you know, it's just you get to that point, where you've seen just about everything on the golf course. So I'm sure you've experienced one of these three situations. The question is, does it happen to you a lot? Or is it something that is just an every so often? It's not something that really plagues you. In that case, maybe maybe you're not having the issue with perspective and this hyperfixation on score that you thought you were. Otherwise, here is, either way, how you kind of get around that. Now, for me, when I go out, I have a very rudimentary goal. I like to be able to achieve my goals. So my goals are a 50-60-70 pattern. And I'm looking first at my fairways. My fairways, and this even counts as near fairway. So, you know, it doesn't have to actually be in the short grass. You just have to make a good, honest shot at the green and regulation from your second, or, you know, if you're playing a par five, having a good opportunity where you can successfully progress the ball down the fairway to be in a good position for your approach shot. What we're looking at is hitting 50% or being near the fairway for 50% of our tee shots. Really not too bad. It's achievable. And I think it's achievable for a lot of people, not just single digit handicappers or people in the, you know, 12 to 14 range. 50% of the fairways can be had a lot. You just might have to take a club other than your driver to hit them. That's your decision. That's a whole different conversation. But if we're getting into this mentality, we're looking at, all right, how do I hit half my fairways? Once I've hit those fairways, I am looking at hitting 60% of my greens in regulation. And again, same kind of definition. If I am two feet off the green and I can just putt, you know what? I'm counting it. If my putter's out, I'm counting it as a green in regulation. So hitting 60% of my greens in regulation, but maybe more importantly is making sure that when we don't hit the green in regulation, that that shot does end up within 50 yards of the green. So it can't be like a dead top where we have to basically hit the whole entire shot all over again. We want to actually have progressed the ball somewhere in the vicinity of the green because once we get inside 50 yards, then our chances of converting for a par, getting up and down, go way up. So that's why we want to make sure, and that's why I say kind of more importantly, is, hey, were we able to get that ball kind of inside of that 50-yard range when we didn't hit the green? So we miss 40% of the time. That's fine. You just can't be snap hooking it into a lake somewhere. So once we're in that that 50-ish yards, this is where I personally, and this is probably going to be the most challenging for most people, is getting up and down 70% of the time. That's really, really tough. Now, there's different ways that you can increase those percentages. Obviously, you would want to look at what shots you struggle with the most And let's trim the fat where the most of it lies. So if you have a really hard time hitting higher lofted shots and chipping in that higher lofted mechanism around the green, 
maybe it's time to explore bump and run. And it's a lot easier to put out a consistent result with bump and run versus those higher lofted, getting closer to flop shot style shots. The other thing you can look at is your club selection coming into the green. Automatically take an extra club. And that way you can maybe choke up on the club or really just focus on like that nine o'clock to three o'clock motion that gives you a solid contact. And you can be a lot more controlled with your approach shot into the green. So maybe if you do miss the green, you're only like 10 feet off the green rather than 10 yards off the green. Cause those shots are definitely different tiers of difficulty. So that's how we kind of round out our, our perspective, our kind of realistic expectations to things. And we just remove that hyperfixation on the score by making smaller micro goals that we can track along the way. What do we do for number two? This one I like to call drive or toughness or willpower. This concept is really making sure that we don't ever give up on a hole. Why is this important? Well, the thing that the things, the couple of things that I hear a lot from higher handicapped amateur golfers are I either have one great nine and one terrible nine. We just talked about that. Or I just, I play great. And then I have like one or two, maybe three blow up holes per round. So how do I keep myself from making an eight or a nine and maybe keep that to a five or a six? This is where that will to not give up, to keep trying your absolute hardest to stick to your pre-shot routine really comes in. So one of the stories I like to tell on this subject is when I was playing in the state tournament, and this is before I really had a thorough grasp on all the rules of golf. I was a kid, I was in high school, and I was on my 10th hole. I hit my drive, it was a par four, hit my drive into the trees on the left, wasn't sure I was gonna be able to find it, so I hit a provisional. Provisional's beautiful right in the middle of the fairway. I get up there, I'm like, all right, well, I know my provisional's in a good spot. I'm good even if I don't lose this, or even if I don't find this ball. So I go traipsing through this patch of trees, I find my ball, it's right up against a tree trunk, and I marked it. And then I picked it up and my thought was, well, I'm just going to go look at what the yardage is in the fairway. And if that fairway yardage is something that I can conceivably hit the green with, then I'm just going to go ahead and say, yep. Yeah. I'm just playing my provisional. Obviously, if you're familiar with the rules of golf, you know, that's not allowed because that's against the rules. If you find your first ball, you got to play your first ball. So I basically, I put myself in the situation where I had to take an unplayable lie relief and I ended up going backwards as far as I had to, to give myself enough room to get my shot up and over this bank of trees because the green was on the other side of the bank of trees. I hit my shot. I stay committed. I stay within my plan. It goes up. I did not hit the green. I was probably, you know, a good 30, 40, 50 feet short of the green, but I got the ball up and over the trees and I put myself in a situation where I could hit a bump and run shot, which I did that put me to a couple feet and I was able to make a pretty easy tap in for a bogey one in the trees two drop short on three chip up nice and close and four and one putt for the five. I was putting myself in a position where 
I was still getting what I deemed a totally acceptable score on this hole, even though I was in some ways absolutely dead to rights when I found that first golf ball. So that was my ability. And that's really what a a situation that I think back to quite a bit on the golf course when I'm in that situation and I'm just fed up and I've hit like a couple bad shots in a row I get up to my next one and I'm ready to just kind of slap it at the hole or do whatever out of frustration. I think about that situation and I think about what a past guest on the podcast had said. I believe this was Craig Jones. He said, just because you had one bad shot doesn't mean you have to follow it up with a dumb one. So again, just because you had one bad shot doesn't mean you have to follow it up with a dumb one. And that really spoke volumes to me because that's really what it is. You are choosing to let frustration get the better of you and react rather than realizing what you have in front of you, weighing it and assessing it just as if you were in that position in a totally acceptable situation and approach it with that same fresh mindset. It's a new thing. It's a new action. I don't have to be pigeonholed to this reactionary type of result. I can be in control. I can approach this and give it my best bet. And that doesn't mean you're going to come out with this beautiful, fantastic, magnificent shot. Please don't misinterpret that. But what it does is it goes a long way to preventing that big catastrophic blow up hole. And the more of those we can prevent the better our scores are going to be. Another past guest, Josh Boggs, said, if you want to break 90, you don't need more pars and birdies. You need less eights, nines, and tens. And that's really what it comes down to. Making that conscious effort to approach it with fresh eyes is going to allow you to keep that eight or nine or 10 off of your scorecard. So drive, will, stick-to-itiveness, toughness, whatever you want to call it, That is absolutely a pillar to having a strong mental game. All right, the next one, our third and final pillar, holding up our mental game and preventing it from absolutely decimating us, is commitment. And if you're hearing that and going, oh, geez, why did you say that, Marty? Why did you say commitment? This frequently is the most difficult of the concepts to grasp for people, or at least the most difficult not to grasp, but to put into action. And what I mean by commitment here is the fact that you make a plan and you stick to the plan. It's truly as simple as that. When we talk about this process, I always use the same example. And that example comes from Lynn and Pia over at vision 54. They are absolutely fantastic. They are geniuses in the mental game world And they have a concept called Thinkbox Playbox. And in brief, that concept is that you start out your shot in the think box. You're standing behind the ball. You're mapping it out in your head. You're visualizing. You're deciding. You're making your plan, right? Once you've made your plan, you get your club, whatever your practice swings are, that's all good. But as soon as you honestly step up and address the ball, you are in the play box. And that play box is a situation where you can only do the plan that you just made in your think box. So once you step up to that ball, the only thing you can do is operate the plan that you just made. 
And if you vary at all, you have to bail, hit the reset button, start all over, do your pre-shot routine again. And the reason why this is so important is because especially the most common place it comes up is when you're in between shots, right? In between distances, in between clubs. In that circumstance, how many times have you said to yourself, all right, well, I'm going to take the longer club or the shorter club. You know, whichever one you take doesn't really matter for the purposes of this example. But how many times have you been in that situation where you were waffling you didn't really truly fully decide one way or the other. So you went about your shot. And as soon as you hit it, you just immediately knew, well, if I just would have stuck with the other one, it would have been better. Even if the shot was long, it would have been better. Even if the club was short, it would have been better because you would have been committed. Right. And that's what it comes down to is making sure that we set a plan and we walk that plan. It doesn't mean that you actually hit the good shot. That's not what I'm talking about. But what we're talking about is, did we say that we're going to hit an eight iron? And did we legitimately and honestly commit to swinging that eight iron the way that we meant to swing it? Or were we trying to hit it softer because we were between an eight and a nine? Or were we really muscled up and trying to kill it because we were between an eight and a seven? Did you stick to the plan that you made? Obviously, you're the only one that knows that. So you're the only one that can really call yourself on that if you've done it or not. Just to add a little bit more perspective here, if we're looking at professionals and the rate that they're able to stay committed to a shot, we are looking at 90 to 95% of their shots they are fully committed to. Now go play nine holes, go play 18 holes and just track whether or not you are committed to the shot. And you can do that for everything for tee shots, iron shots, putts. Were you committed to the line? Were you committed to the speed? Plenty of ways you can measure it there as well, but do that track it for yourself. See where you fall. And you can, you can tell all you really got to do is make sure that you're staying committed 90 to 95% of your shots, and you're going to see a drastic astronomical increase to your skill and your quality of play. But anyway, Golf Strategy School, that is all I had for you. Don't forget to check out our Golf Coach Reacts video series. We already got a handful of videos up there. I had a bunch of fun playing it, and I just I found a new software that actually lets me put you side by side with a pro and do all the fun lines and the degrees and all that jazz. So I'll be going a little bit more in depth on that swing analysis there, but Hey, if you've liked this, I'd appreciate it. If you maybe share it with a friend, let them know that you've, you've been listening to the show and that it's been helping you. Otherwise I will catch you all in a short grass. Cheers, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash Griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.